0: culture of innovation. We interview exceptional leaders who embrace and demonstrate innovation, hear their stories, and listen as we explore turning ideas into tangible ways to create value and cultivate innovation as a way of life. Listen and be inspired as an innovative leader. Together, we shape culture and change the world. Culture of Innovation is brought to you by Ridge Innovative, where we practice innovation as a purpose to help companies use technology and breakthrough strategies to achieve business outcomes. And I'm your host, Nancy Ridge. And today, I am really excited and pleased to introduce you to Risa Huffman, who is the president of Stratocumulus Technologies and the founder of Integrated Remote Testing as a communications professional for over 30 years. Risa assists companies in developing and implementing technology plans, helping them use technology to improve their operations and their bottom line. For the past five years, Risa's been the founder and CEO of Stratocumulus Technologies, where she refines her independent business model to find additional ways to assist her customers and serve people. Measurement of success is evidenced by customer loyalty and by the various awards for attainment over the years. More recently, FirstNet's been added to the product mix in support of a new division, which we are very excited to talk to you about today, IRT. Risa keeps up to date on market changes through various service activities in her community, including the Dayton Chamber Ambassadors Club and through civic involvement. She and her husband, Kurt, have made Cincinnati their home for the past 12 years. And although they have no children, they are a host family, for youth for understanding and have developed lifelong relationships with three incredible young adults from around the globe. Risa, I am so excited to introduce you to our listeners today. Welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: I always like to begin by asking each guest this opening question that gives us context for your perspective. And it kind of sets the tone for our discussion today. What is one example of innovation that you've seen deliver great business outcomes?
1: This was a hard question because there have been so many innovations in IT. Um, But I think the thing that brought about the biggest change is when the fax machine got developed. (laughs) It It started figuring out ways to reduce costs while getting the information to where it needed to be as quickly as possible. Sometimes challenging.
0: Pardon? Yeah, I was, I was just going to comment, you know, we take this rapid communication so much for granted that, you know, especially young people, they can't remember They, I mean, some of them don't even know what a fax machine is and yet (laughs) it was transforming when it came about.
1: Yeah, I'm showing my age, but <laughs> <laughs> there are but, there. Go ahead. I, I I I actually don't even have a fax anymore because it it evolved into attachments and email, right? But the electronic capability, I I think that fax machines started has been so life-changing, business-changing, and allowed things to happen in such a pace um, that we could, it's sometimes hard to keep up. Yeah, it's
0: so interesting, too, and you mentioned that. Um, I've got a couple of friends who like to go back and pull up some of those old ads for the technology when it first came out. And it's so fun to like, you know, search some of those old ads for fax machines and, you know, things like that, where you get to see how really breakthrough it was back then. You know, we continue to just accelerate, you know, how we communicate with each other. Everything's in real time now. So much.
1: And the joke is, what did we do before fax machines? (laughs) (laughs) We picked up the phone and we dialed the phone and talked to each other. Which and we're still everything doing. Everything comes full circle, right? Yes, everything right. everything comes full circle. Um, it's becoming more. We're doing it over the internet now, but it's still the same basic function.
0: Well, and you know, there's um, okay. there's you still have so to pick many. pick up the phone
1: yeah. and- go ahead. So you still have to pick up the phone and say hello in order to build a relationship to do business.
0: Well, now we just go on video.
1: Yep. Again, over the internet, the electronic versions. Yep.
0: Absolutely. Now, you know, we've seen a lot of changes too, and how you and I met originally uh, was through the Women in the Channel, which is now the Alliance of Channel Women. And, you know, one of the things that I've really seen, and you've seen too, is a big change in terms of women that are really, beginning to take hold as leaders in the business environment. I mean, unfortunately, we're still dealing with a lot of the same challenges, you know, that we've had for so long. But I just am so encouraged by folks like you, Risa, who really, you know, take the bull by the horns and, you know, have dove in with your dream, with your vision, with your passion. And, you know, you're out there. You're out there working on making it a reality. Um, and I want to point out, you know, before we dive into your story a little bit, that uh, 2020 showed a substantial drop in venture capital funding for women-led startups, which is really discouraging. Um, and it wasn't, uh, was not a part of an overall decrease in VC funding. In 2019, 2.8% of funding went to women's startups, In 2020, it fell to 2.3%. This is based on CrunchBaits figures. And, you know, it does come after some years of increases. And that 2.8 figure, it's it's a pretty paltry figure when you look at it, when you think about it, was actually an all-time high. And as someone who is out there today, you know, seeking to get funding for this new venture for IRT, uh, I so admire your courage and your strength and your willingness and persistence, you know, to do this, but you're in the throes of it. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, I was uh, really eager to have you speak with our listeners today to talk about that experience. How how long have you been in the process of seeking funding and, and what has it been like so far for you?
1: Actually, we began seeking funding right right before COVID hit. Uh so it's been a couple of years and I think the biggest uh roadblock is has actually been being a woman. I was that I would, it was shared with me that um women have a lot more of a credibility issue with investors because of other things in life than um taking priority and the investors want the assurance that you're going to follow through. Um, one of the – you referenced uh, the boys from YFU. Um, the fact that I don't have children is actually a plus, believe it or not. Uh, yeah. but I, I love my boys. Um, they're like my own children, but they were only here for a year. hmm <laughs> and not having the ongoing issues uh with children and time management and all the things that come with being a mother as well as being a business owner, uh those challenges investors weigh very heavily. Wow. And I think that's one of the one of the reasons that childcare is such an issue with the CARES Act and with a lot right. of the funding that's going on today um and, and i think that if we can address this social issue of who ch- takes care of the children then that will help balance a little bit of the uh, the amount of funding that investors are willing to provide
0: wow um I'm so glad you brought that up because oftentimes it's like the elephant in the room. I think we, we want to look at and invent other reasons, you know, why women still have these limitations. And yet when we go back and look at study after study, and certainly COVID put a huge spotlight on this situation with so many women you know, dropping out of their careers or falling back in their careers or even, you know, pausing something like going after funding for an entrepreneurial venture. And all of the studies come back and say at the core, it really does have to do with this issue of of care, of the responsibility that women still carry uh, so much to care for kids and also Um, They found, you know, parents and other family members uh, up and down, you know, the generational chain. You know, the women are responsible. And I I really do feel that if that could be removed, it might make a difference. It's just interesting because, you know, even if it even if it is, I just wonder how long is it going to take, you know, for the mindset to change for the, you know, the folks sitting on the other end of the table to get over the idea that they can say yes to someone that doesn't look
1: like them. And and that is changing what I am seeing in my fundraising efforts. Uh, the states and federal government are actually putting out uh, specific uh, grants for startups by minorities and women. Uh, diversity and inclusion have become The word of the day. You bet. Um, And there's a um, there's also a program called Project Ingenuity Hmm. that uh, I've been lucky enough to be chosen for, uh, which will help work with the federal government. And part of it is um, the fact that I'm a woman-owned business. So it's starting to change. I think that. you know, folks like you, Nancy. Um, one of the things that I've always been so impressed with you about is your drive and and for women's issues, and it's absolutely appreciated. And I, I actually quote one of at one of the Alliance of Channel Women meetings, you talked about four percent of the non-administrative um, IT positions are held by women. Four percent. It's a man's world. <laughs> it is. It is.
0: I wish and I could say that it has changed a lot, but it's changed a little.
1: <laughs> and and women are making great strides. And it's you're one of those leaders and I and it's appreciated.
0: Well, thank you. You know, we we are um we are a tribe and you know the DEI initiative is one that, fortunately, uh, our our little ecosystem, the channel as we call it, has really embraced. And you know we're seeing a lot more focus. You know Informa recently uh, put a lot of focus on it with their DEI 100, and you know it's going across the board beyond gender. You know, and I think it is so important for all of us to keep talking about these issues and coming up with solutions. And I'm really interested to learn more about this project Ingenuity too, because that's new. I haven't heard of them before. What do they do?
1: It is, it's actually a brand new program. Um, I accessed it again through the Dayton area chamber of commerce. Um, and uh, Belinda Stenson is minority business partnership director. Um it's being funded by Chase, and on, on a national basis. And very simply, it's to help um, young and startup companies to access federal agencies for their products. IRT is one of those products that uh, would would be helpful to NIH and HHS and other. Possibly the Department of Defense. So there's a lot of uh, applications for the IRT in within the government. Um, so this is a way for a small company like me to come forward and be able to compete for uh, federal contracts.
0: Awesome! That's great. Um, I you know I recently just became a certified, uh, woman owned business. And I, there are so many, um, you know, through the women's business enterprise national council, and that opens up the door as well, where not just federal, uh, grants or contracts or municipal contracts are being awarded now, but also through the corporate environment where there's more and more quotas, where they're looking to satisfy You know, bringing in women and minority businesses to gain some balance. And part of that is because of the incredible innovation that we bring to the table. And I think that's a really good segue. I want to dive into that. Um, One of my, my favorite authors is Peter Drucker. I love listening to his books, and he's just a known authority on innovation. And one of my favorite quotes from him is Innovation is the work of knowing rather than doing. And I'm really eager for you to share with our listeners about the technology. What is IRT? Share with us about the technology of it and what actually started your journey of innovation. What is your ongoing driving force that keeps you going, that has you knowing that this is something that must be done?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, um, my husband is my uh, original motivation and ongoing motivation. Um, my husband is a lung transplant patient, and he spent 28 days in ICU following the surgery, and one of the biggest issues we had was communication. Um, so it, it it was making sure that the nurses knew that I was there, uh, and they shared information with the doctor and then once he was out of ICU, we ended up having to go literally on an every morning basis at 730 to go get lab work done for him. Oh. Uh, that went on for 60 days and then it tapered off, but it, it was an arduous effort every day to get him in the car, take him to the lab, and then we'd have to rush home in order to uh, meet up with the home healthcare nurse that was required with the uh, transplant program. So we're spending five, six, seven hours running around doing the things that we need to do to make sure he's going to recover well. And uh, he's doing phenomenally, which is mm. great um such a miracle yeah but that that also put a big chunk in my out of my business
0: well there you go being a caregiver
1: once again <laughs> yes that the earlier comment was from experience <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and that that was actually a question that I did receive from one potential investor was what happens if your husband has a relapse <laughs> wow well so, um it it's a legitimate question, and and I can appreciate it as to why, but at the same time, uh, we have there has to be a way to make this s- simpler effort and to get better communication going. so so I, that was really I, your
0: motivation was acknowledging and knowing there has to be a better way, a simpler
1: way. yes and i said okay i'm in business i should be able to figure this out Uh, (laughs) one of the benefits of being in the channel is having multiple carriers and multiple um, partners uh, that i work with over the last 30 years and so i started talking to them and uh, we've put together um, a device and a system so that the device can communicate effectively, be HIPAA compliant, back to a hospital group. And it's a standalone situ- system so that the uh, hospital group has to plug into a, a router in the local area network and they have full integration. And the information from the device, which is point of care testing results, can then be directly sent to an electronic health record so that the information about the lab test is there when the doctor needs it and when he's available to look at that particular chart. So That's it, incredible. It comes back to speeding up the flow of information.
0: Yeah, and, and it sounds like it really streamlines
1: the processes as well. If I didn't have to get up for for 7.30 every morning, that would have been really, really nice. I needed rest at that point. (laughs) So did he. Right, right. (laughs) Yes. Can you tell us
0: a little bit more about how it works? Because, you know, initially you might think, oh, this this does seem simple, like most solid innovations are. But maybe you could break it down for just a little bit more, like, how does it work, you know, with the device and... You know, we had mentioned in the intro that FirstNet is a part of your portfolio. Maybe you could give us some detail on that.
1: Yeah, a couple of things. Um, The device is actually uh, being built right as we speak. Uh, The prototype is being developed. Um, From that device, a point-of-care testing unit is plugged into the device itself. And then in the device is a transmission capability over FirstNet. FirstNet is a non-commercial mobile bandwidth, both data and voice, being used by a lot of cities and a lot of government agencies right now, Project Ingenuity. Um, and then FirstNet, which is uh, has a 25-year contract with AT&T for administration, of that non-commercial bandwidth um, gets relayed into what basically uh, what Cincinnati Bell has called Race, which is a basically a, a mobile Wi-Fi um, router, along with the the generator and security and all of the other components needed for. Um, a local area network that can plug into the hospital local area network, which is already in place. Uh, you've seen my chart and um, other mm-hmm. messaging capabilities for medical. Everybody's Everybody's got them, right? Mm-hmm. right? So we're plugging in, we're plugging into the technology that's already existing. All of the components we know work individually. Mm-hmm. So by using the existing technology, which is HIPAA compliant already, we're able to put it together to be HIPAA compliant as a system.
0: I love that. It's brilliant. And, you know, not only are you solving and addressing the issue, but I love the idea of really just adding, you know, very little to what's already proven and existing, to deliver it, you know, creates that, that expectation that, Hey, this is going to work. We don't have to worry about, is it going to work? We know it's going to work.
1: It's it's not some harebrained scheme from somebody. (laughs) This is actually, I, I'm, I'm very proud of, of the IRT and the whole concept and we've gotten a lot of very good support, um, Including from the medical community, uh, it was actually developed through discussions with my husband's transplant team. Wow. Uh, with the initial question of, "What is it that you want to see from these lab tests? Mm-hmm. What would make it easier?" Mm-hmm. And they said, and one of the one of the points was, too much information comes in too fast that I can't get all the information I need in the chart and I have to go looking for additional information such as lab results, um, it it becomes a challenge to make sure I get all the information so that I'm doing the best practicing of medicine that they can do. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I put it directly into the patient chart, it's right there, saves the, the medical team time and effort as well. Yes. And I love that because
0: any of us who have had loved ones or ourselves uh, had some sort of chronic condition or dealt with uh, a situation where we're needing care knows how, how important it is to advocate, to have an advocate or to advocate for ourselves within the medical system because information is so disparate today. And, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And then you've got um, the healthcare workers saying, you know, they have to make this extra effort to really get the whole picture to do the best that they can do by the patient. And the fact that you can, you know, deliver that pertinent data, you know, directly to a healthcare professional is in a way, a form of automated advocacy.
1: And it's also a way for first responders to have the information they need when they're doing a triage in a patient's home. Wow. What a great point. Mm -hmm. And and because we're using FirstNet, a a mobile bandwidth, uh, we can, we can have that two-way communication. Um, Again, the facts is the inspiration. (laughs) No mistakes, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Out of it all. If, if 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 a first responder can get a medication list, they can make sure that uh, using saline isn't going to interfere with kidney function for this patient. For a diabetic patient that might be in a coma, kidneys help monitor electrolytes in the body. If you put saline in someone, uh, that might send the kidneys into shutdown which creates more problems, right? right? So if a first responder knows that and can get that information, um, lo and behold, they can be more effective in the triage, and they can also do some of the triage then in the ambulance itself, mm-hmm. which will help when the patient gets to the ER. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So a lot of good – Uh, First responder applications as well. And the applications that we can develop with the IRT really uh, are only limited by imagination. Um, (laughs) Just like with the facts, you start here and you can build on it and have better results as the technology develops.
0: You know, the other thing that you had shared with me when we first uh, talked about the IRT was really how many people can benefit from this, that, you know, the market is just so huge and, and we know that many people do suffer from chronic conditions and, you know, that that's not going to slow down as we see the aging you know, baby boomer population and, you know, those of us even in our generation?
1: Actually, 80% of uh, of people over the age of 65 have more than one chronic condition. Anything from diabetes to heart problems to circulatory problems, and they all have medications for it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of... Uh, when you're looking at 80% of the senior population, it's phenomenal, and right. the actual um, medical device market is more than 86 billion dollars. So, well,
0: this ought to make the investors' ears perk up a little bit, I would think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, it, it's amazing, and the IRT becomes a value add for all of those medical device manufacturers by all those that are making point of care testing um, units, this becomes something additional to help both the medical community as well as the patient.
0: <laughs> I love it. So how long have you been working on this capability, Risa? And, and what have you learned along the way? I'm sure there's a number of things we probably don't have time to get it all, but I'd love to get a highlight
1: it well it's been a co- it's been what two and a half years since I said i'm gonna do something uh and committed to it and that's that's actually a key entrepreneurial wise is the commitment to a particular project Covid allowed me to to make that commitment and spend the time um since my core business was uh slowing down with covid um but at the same time uh I've learned a lot about the business of the medical community, as well as how and why some of the things happen with practicing medicine. And there's a reason they call it practicing medicine, because it's more of an art form in a lot of ways than it is with science. Really? Hmm. Every patient is different. And that's why they do so many tests, right? Mm-hmm. So how do how do you figure out what's actually wrong with a patient and how do you make sure that you you're maintaining their health once they've had that initial recovery? Um that's that's why we keep having to go back for more lab tests. Those are all costs that uh are are a big chunk of that eighty six billion and So if we can lower the cost for the maintenance by having uh, home health care workers who are already coming to a patient's home do a little bit more or be able to um, have a telehealth visit where the test results are available immediately, Mm -hmm. it speeds up the process for the medical team to be able to see if any changes in the condition uh make diagnose dot da- make diagnostic decisions and uh change medication if needed do do those things necessary for better patient health um and be able to do it in that 20 minute window that they're given for each patient instead of it being okay 20 minutes lab tests 20 more minutes lab tests yes so and meanwhile, yes, how, how we make the system more efficient—that that's what we're trying to do.
0: You know, it's just another way to attack too this issue of of the cost of healthcare. You know, we don't think of that sometimes, but you know, this efficiency model kind of drives that home. It's like how much could be recovered from a cost mm-hmm. perspective
1: if we can. If we healthcare is one sixth of the U.S. US economy. We learned that uh, as the ACA came into play, right? Well, how do we control those costs so that the premiums can be lowered? So therefore, on, for example, on the ACA, the uh, um, the subsidies that are given could be less to the insurance companies because the insurance companies' costs are less. That saves everybody money.
0: You've learned a lot along the way, you know, from... Uh, coming from the background, very similar to many of our listeners here, working in the channel, working with businesses to really, you know, taking this to the next level. And I, I like to call, you know, our our talk today really innovation with heart because, you know, this whole motivation for you so clearly, you know, came from your desire for your husband, for his health for, you know, just the hope that, You know, his treatment would be sufficient, that it would be accurate, that it would help him heal faster and get back to living again his life the way he wanted to. And I think that's just such an amazing motivation. And yet, along the way, your story, what you've learned is how much more this can help so many other people.
1: And I'm so looking forward to bringing it to market and to having the the prototype build completed so that I can test it out with a couple of um, medical g- groups, um, which we've had some verbal agreement for that to happen. Um, and once it's tested and I have the, the data, then I can present that to the community. So, Have you got some projected
0: dates when you think that might occur?
1: As of right now, the date for completion of the prototypes is december one okay so it's 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 coming very quickly
0: it is it is well, we will have to you know begin we'll have to continue to be updated as you go along, risa, please keep us in the loop
1: absolutely <laughs> I'd love to so
0: so now, as we wrap up our conversation today, I always like to. Have a little fun. So we started off way back with the facts. Now we're learning about IRT and how this technology can transform healthcare. Um, what innovation would you like to see most gain adoption? And it could be anything. It doesn't even have to be related to what we're talking to today.
1: Hmm. I th- one of the things I'm doing right now is as, as we're coming out of COVID is I'm revamping my wardrobe. <laughs> um,
0: I think you're not alone.
1: <laughs> that has definitely changed for many of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and out of that, I I, I wear size 12 shoes. Getting size mm-hmm. 12 shoes is insane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I but and then you you find that one pair of pumps that are really comfortable. That you mm-hmm. can wear all the time. I would love to see a a pair of pumps where I could actually have like gels or some some way to change the color of those comfortable pumps between black, brown, blue, and gray. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. You're so spot on with that. Because I mean, first of all, you know, many of us have gone uh, barefoot or in flip flops throughout most of COVID, (laughs) COVID, right? Yes. So going back to pumps or in tennis shoes. So going back to pumps in general is kind of like a shocker. And then you're thinking, you know, I don't want the pain anymore. I still want the good looks, but I don't want the pain. (laughs)
1: And, and, you know, I'd pay five times the amount if the the pumps are comfortable and I can change the color, I'd pay five times with four colors or I'd pay six times with five colors.
0: (laughs) There's the rule, right, of demand. Yes. (laughs) Value and demand. (laughs) Well, hopefully we've got somebody out there that's dreaming about that too, Risa. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, this has been really enlightening, inspiring, and really does, you know, touch my heart. So um, we will continue to follow IRT and your efforts there and just send all our thoughts and prayers and support that, that this dream gets to come true. Thank well, Nancy,
1: you Nancy, you you are a big part of that. You've been a great motivator, and everything you've done between uh, when we met at Channel Partners and with Ridge Innovative, um, you should be very proud. Well, it's
0: it's not ever done alone. I'm so grateful that I have so many wonderful people within our ecosystem and that we really do elevate each other, to borrow one of the phrases that we started you know, with, with ACW. So again, thanks for being with us today. And for those of you who are listening, don't forget to subscribe at iTunes to get updates on new episodes. You'll also find us at www.soundcloud.com, Culture of Innovation, and be sure to check us out at www.RidgeInnovative.com. Culture of Innovation is produced monthly. So look for new episodes each month and have a breakthrough day. We'll see you next time.